Welcome to Marvel Age Star Wars. My name is Sean. I'm sitting here with Brooks. Hello. You might recognize us from the TV Ate My Dinner show. Probably not. Yeah, you might. It could happen. And when we say Marvel Age Star Wars, we're talking about the Star Wars comics put out by Marvel Comics in the what is known as the Bronze Age, but starting in the with the movie release in '77. Yeah, the vintage. And it ran through 80, 1986, I think, something like that. That was when the last uh, of it ran. It so it went from basically '76 to to '86. I mean. Not quite 76, but early 77. Oh, yeah, 77, yeah. It came out after the movie, I guess. No, it came out before the nope. movie. Mm-hmm. Before the movie. Yeah. Oh, I guess that explains the, the Jabba and all the weirdness in the... Uh... Yeah, I debated over whether we should should try to cover the the, Mar- the movie adaptation, which is the first six issues of, of the original Marvel series. But maybe we'll get to those because there's some, there's still even though we're just go that's just the story of the original movie. There's some interesting bits to unpack there, so maybe we'll double back to that at some point. Yeah, we just we had decided to uh, start with issue seven because, as Sean just said, the the first six issues are an adaptation of the movie, which we assume most people have seen and probably read those comics because it's been released tons of times in mm-hmm. reprints. Which is funny. I know. I bought, as I bought a box go, of DVDs, and it came with that <laughs> that little graphic novel. It's not even that that good an adaptation as far as comic book adaptations go. It's just a sort of little piece of history. But I own like eight copies of it in different formats. So what do I know? We decided to skip ahead of that because everyone knows that theoretically. Well, number seven is kind of cool though because at the time it came out. This was the only other Star Wars that there was, right? Sean yeah, knows Star Wars, by I the d- way. He's the he's he's written books that we will we will hawk later. But um, yeah, he, I'd, he, I'd have he to look this stuff because yeah, th- this would have to be real close in terms of the only thing I think that would have come close to this comic would have been another comic because they actually started running. Star Wars serials in Pizzazz magazine, which was also a Marvel. And I want to say these came out real close to each other in terms of this story and that first story. So those were different stories? They weren't the same as in the uh, the comics? Yeah, they're their own thing. So they, oh, they I didn't had their even know own that serial. I, I'd never heard of that. There's some reprints of those, but... Uh, we'll we we'll probably talk about it a little bit, but during the era where Dark Horse had hold of Star Wars, they reprinted a lot of the old stuff, including including some of the Pizzazz stuff. So you get into some of the weird omnibus editions. They they collect Pizzazz and the old Star Wars 3D comic and uh, Star Wars Weekly, which was the UK Marvel comic actually had some filler stories that were only printed in Star Wars Weekly. They weren't printed in, in the U.S. monthly version of the comic. So you got to do some deep dives for some of those omnibus editions to find those old stories. So, but we may but make it rate, to those at some point. But that's, Yeah, I think be we should because I'm not familiar with that stuff at all. And I think it'd be fun to look at. I've read, of course, all of these years ago, so I don't remember a lot of them, but... But I've I've read the entire Marvel series, and I know you have, and you have yeah. most of them, right? 
I have most of them. I mean, I still have I have all the trades for the ones that I don't have, and I think there's they're mostly later issues that I never picked up because I start I went back and started picking up them up issue for issue because I was really interested in reading like the letters column and stuff too to see where where they were on things. The early lore of Star Wars is you're either going to see it in that letters column or the old Bantha Tracks newsletter was the only yeah. way. Those were That's the, the internet makes... back then. A lot of the guys that nowadays the younger kids that read these older comics and trade paperbacks and stuff i mean it's great that they're reading them i think that's awesome but you're kind of missing out on some of the fun that comes with the original issues i love looking at the old ads i feel that way in comics in general i love that they have all these collections and i love having collected editions on my bookshelf but but just recently, even down to like the coloring, sometimes they they when they tried to make them a bit more deluxe in in those reprints, they can be a bit gaudier, and they go against some of the original coloring decisions that they made. So the look of the book is actually different in some of these reprints, and sometimes you find weird decisions where they did a collection and they leave an issue out for whatever reason so you're it's an incomplete version of the story especially when yeah, you have books that had like backup features in them and the backup features isn't that's not going to be part of the the it's coherent had editorial changes made yeah to a lot of a lot of them so you're not seeing the original original but that's you know that's just the state of things now it, it, it works that way with movies when movies are released on dvd there's usually some changes especially in the the color grading and things just like comics and um, albums are being remastered all the time, so you can't hear the original mix anymore. It just, just depends on what your level of interest is. I mean, if you have yeah. a passive interest or just a casual kind of interest, then it's probably not that big a deal. But if if you really are interested in in like the original core source material and, and how it was originally presented, especially like one of the things we want to do in this show is this series is is really interesting because it was such an early time for Star Wars and this is such an early chapter of them trying to do an expanded universe and it's so fun yeah. to see in that void what they do because it's really easy a lot of people will, will throw tomatoes now and say oh my god some of the stuff they come up with I don't even know it's like but nobody knew what Star Wars was it's exciting to read these old comics because no one there were no rules except for they'd throw something up to the Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm would say no that, that sounds dumb don't do that yeah, that's what I love. That's you know what kind of what I was leading into at the beginning. That's what makes these early ones, especially before Empire came out, so much fun. Is that there is no canon yet? Yeah, it's a moment and, in and, time. And Star Wars is a fun thing, but it has not yet been deemed a sacred thing. Yeah. So they just went with it and said, you know, what what would Han be doing right now? Let's let's. And uh, you couldn't get away with that stuff now without somebody being mad about it. So it's kind of fun. Well, if you it's read, more imaginative, I think, more creative, maybe. I think it is more creative. What's funny, why there is a, a benefit in reading the letters columns is that you find that the fandom may have a, a louder voice now, but the, those elements were there. There were still people who were writing letters yeah. going, this is not the color of Han Solo's eyes. You're like, guys, yeah. we didn't have a lot to work with with those early issues. Yeah. But that—that's the whole business makes it fun. Before canon was such a necessary thing, you just got to see where these guys would would try to imagine the story. And there were this particular storyline that we're going to jump into, starting with number seven, is a perfect example of the constraints that they 
were given because this story, I mean, the very first page of it, you see Luke and Han and Leia and C-3PO and R2-D2 and Chewbacca, and you're like, oh, here we go. But then in it, by page two, they're like, okay, bye to all them, and now it's just Han and Chewie going off on an adventure together. Why do they together. do that? Because there's other episodes that have Luke. I mean, it's not like they weren't allowed to do Luke stories or anything. It's not they weren't allowed. It's that it was so fresh off of the first movie, and there was no... There was no guidance in terms of what they were even thinking of for a sequel that everyone just thought, maybe, you know, we do a four-month arc where we leave Luke out of it. Because you think about probably when the the books first were printed, we're probably close to about March or April. It's been a while since I've done some of that research, so I can't remember. but, But it was well before the release of the movie, so... Maybe March or April is when the book actually started coming out, which means they were working on it before then. But that's a good six months that they had a run, you know, maybe one or two issues out before the actual movie hit. And then another four months after the release of the film that was just finishing out that adaptation. So by the time they were going to do issue seven... They were still pretty fresh off of the release of the first movie, and nobody had any idea what Star Wars 2 was going to be. So the easiest thing to do was just, well, we'll just we'll just do a Han and Chewie story, and it's just going to be a simple like you'll we'll get into it in a minute. But it's basically just to take on Magnificent Seven with them on some remote planet where they have to. That's probably what I would have done, too, because Han's an obvious... He's, he's a cowboy. That's obviously the Western influence of the movies. That's what he is. And you can do all kinds of cowboy stories without worrying about mucking up any force or, you know, the, the Jedi and the yeah, stuff that... You don't have to get into the deep of mythology of it to... We, we yeah, know Han's some, deal some more fights. than anybody. And we know where he's headed. We get a strong sense at the end of the movie that, you know... He's heading out there. He's actually got a continuation story built in to Star Wars where we know that he owes money to Jabba the Hutt and he's got to go try to sort that out. And Star Wars, the movie, suggests that he's actually getting paid for, for helping. Yeah. At various stacking, stages stacking of the, the expanded canon. Like, Big boxes of something onto the Falcon. Like his reward, I guess. People have, yeah, because people have different ideas of what that level of payment was it, in different expanded works. Like in the radio show, they explain that the Rebels don't have a lot of valuables, so they just give Han goods to to try to make up for it. Stuff they, stuff they desperately need. And he's going to take it. So the suggestion there is that when he changes his mind and come back, maybe he doesn't keep that reward. You know, that we don't know. And he's like, no, I'm keeping it. I just, you know. Why shouldn't I get paid? Who's this, you know, job of the hut? Hey, I've got got gas prices, man. That That thing takes a lot of fuel. Yeah, space doesn't hyper itself. You know, got to pay the bills. Got to keep chewy and shampoo and bandoliers yeah i don't know what you think a wookie eats but they're not vegetarians <laughs> so just so you know and uh we'll get into it in this story but but that is basically the premise of this story is that han and chewie have have 
gotten their payment and order number one is to go back and pay off Jabba the Hutt before this escalates into a bigger issue. Here we are on page one. New planets, new perils. Yeah, good start. And uh, I guess this is going to take place directly after the explosion of the Death Star? Or is it, I mean, after the uh, ceremony, I guess, where they get medals? Yeah, they're not wearing the medals here, so at least enough time for them to have taken the medals off. And for Luke to have changed back into his farm boy clothes. His his only other outfit. It's so weird that and the Han, movie went out of Han its never way. changes. <laughs> they leveled Luke up at the end of the movie to show you. It's like, look, he's got a leather jacket and everything. You know, now he's a rebel. But for a good part of, of the the early issues of, of the series, everybody dressed exactly like they did at, yeah, as when Leia we first saw still has it. her dress on. Same dress, like Han Solo, always wearing the same outfit. They're all just the action figures. Like Leia, you know, you don't you don't have to dress it nice all the time. You're in a military base here. Yeah, we're rebels now. You can drop the gown. You're no longer a diplomatic on a diplomatic yeah. mission. You were putting on airs on purpose before, but now it just seems weird. Like we're running and stuff. That's just not practical. Here on the first page, we already have a, a mild curse word. Yeah, hell of a. Uh, this is a good comic a... book curse word. <laughs> Make a hell of a star hopper. <laughs> See, they haven't even gotten the slang down yet. Oh, we'll get They're into like, that. Oh, like, I think Hanna talk like this. It's worth mentioning that the that the the Star Wars comic was brought to Marvel by uh, I mean on the Marvel side of things was brought in by Roy Thomas. I mean Char Charlie Lippincott, who worked at Lucasfilm, approached Marvel, and as did you know George Lucas was a part of that deal as well. But but it was Roy Thomas internal to to Marvel who actually brought the comic book about for them and he had actually brought in Conan to them too which was another property that Marvel wasn't so hot on because they're like I don't understand why why you want us to do barbarians and now you want us to do this science fiction like neither of these are big sellers for comic books but both cases Roy Thomas brought this in in both cases they were very successful for Marvel yeah and good thing and so for this first run, I believe that this first storyline after the adaptation is the last that Roy Thomas writes because he just he just gets kind of sick of it in a hurry. Yeah, but you well, that's could, a shame. Well, he, he, I don't say bad blood, but but he felt a little slighted because he felt that his role in bringing the comic book was was very helpful. To both to Marvel and to Lucasfilm, and in the end, he didn't feel like he was very well appreciated by either. For, yeah, for Star what he did. Wars saved Marvel, didn't it? Weren't they about to be in bankruptcy or something? Well, I don't it, know the history. It certainly helped because they were they were having hard times in Marvel. Just that adaptation alone, like you like you just said, like they they still print it, <laughs> like like yeah. that was. Probably, I'm not sure, but it was one of the first comics to actually get printed in like a mass market paperback. And I think it was one of the first comics, again, I'm not an expert, but I think it was one of the first actual monthly comics to get reprints. Yeah, and it got released as a monthly comic. Yeah, just like there's a, you know, there's second prints of all of these first five issues. 
And this is a six. time where collected editions were not a thing, like like yeah, they are yeah, now. Yeah, back in the seventies. Like yeah. graphic novels were a thing, but trade paperbacks really weren't. So this idea of them doing a, a collect in different formats, like one's mass market, so it's the size of a regular paperback, which is weird because I have it. It's it's not even reformatted; it's just shrunk down, so it's incredibly hard to read yeah. if you get it. And it's in black and white. It's like a real cheapy, like mass market paperback and then they did what they called treasury editions where if you see these just jumbo sized comics that they used they don't make them really anymore but they but the marvel and dc used to print those giant comics and they had at least two different editions of like treasury style editions reprinting the 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 adaptation of the first film and just others like where they do combined issues yeah, and like I said, the ag- actual second print of the comics themselves. Yeah, and a massive. And because that was that was such early days for second prints, they didn't really, you know, mark them very clearly. There's, if you look online, there's lots of sites showing the variety of different second print covers you can get. Yeah, it's the best. There ones wasn't a, actually there have... wasn't a decided way to do it yet. They were just kind of experimenting with it, I guess. They didn't know that collectors would care in the future. And that's really it. In any other form of printing, you would just run off another print run and not care. Comic books is it, that's really the only one where the it makes a huge difference in terms of just running off another another run of of the same book. And they got good at it. Like they would print it where in in that top corner where they would have the little symbol would actually say yeah, reprint but it, but on some of those. I have no, some reprints that don't have that on there. I've got a reprint and the only place that it says it at all is if you read the indicia on the bottom of the first page. Yeah. And nowadays reprints, the last the last part of the indicia down there will say you know, second print. But on these, it's mixed in the middle. You have to really look for it. Yes, yeah, this and is now, a reprinted from an earlier, you know, print or whatever. This may just be DC, but I think it's both of them. But they'll also the the last digit of the ISBN will say the print. Oh yeah, they all do that now. They all have different um, ISTN numbers. That's that's another way to tell now. But back then, no. Yeah, and it was anybody's game. I read something that said if the number, the issue number is in a diamond, it's a reprint. But I, that's not true because those are just direct sales. Yeah, some editions. of them are and some aren't. Like I said, it's it's all over the place. Yeah, it doesn't indicate that is why. The reason they had a diamond is because they weren't newsstand editions. They were printed for direct sales, which is another thing that was just starting out back then, which meant that they were doing print runs that went directly to like comic book stores and specialty outlets rather than going into like grocery markets and on newsstands. They went through and a another distributor. Way I'm assuming the they went through Diamond, which is a major comic book distributor, and that that's the reason for the diamond shape but but i oh could be i wrong never thought of that. that that may be true i yeah, never thought of that that's an assumption i'm making i don't know if that's true but it, but it just makes sense to me another way you can tell with some of them and we're getting off topic here we got to switch tracks again but <laughs> we got to get some of the two. you know the back covers are different the ads can be different because they were released a month or two after so they had the whatever ads that month you know marvel comics had in it so you could tell but I'll I'll put a link somewhere in the description. There's there's sites that explain all this that are doing a much better job than I could. But yeah, it's interesting because and it's we, such early days for the idea of, of second printing. We might be overestimating people's interest in that particular. <laughs> well, they don't have to look but, if they're not interested. I just mean for the amount of airtime, we probably will. I mean, 
we probably should move on to page two. Okay, let's do it. Well, let's go. Planets, let's do page perils. one because we haven't even done it really. New planets, new perils. What do we see? We see the Falcon. They're standing outside. I'm assuming they're about to get on. Yeah, Han and Han and the Chewie dreaded Death Star. We assume no more. I think it doesn't say so here, but we can assume this is Yavin because one of the things that that Luke is saying is our first order of business is going to be finding a new base because now the Empire knows where this one is. So, yeah, I don't understand why they're not leaving yet. I like, mean, they have hyperspace travel. How long is it going to take you know, Star Destroyers to show up? This will be apparently months to years because <laughs> this is like this will be an ongoing thread throughout the the gap between Star Wars and Empire that is filled in the Marvel comic is the negotiation of how we're going to find another base and all this stuff and the machinations of how the Empire... I guess the Empire is having troubles too. Like, they never really get into, why don't we just go right now? Like, we don't have to build another Star Destroyer. We don't have to build another Death Star. We just take a fleet of Star Destroyers and and that's that, right? But it, I like how Leia says, uh, once Darth Vader establishes contact with the Empire again, we won't be safe. So I guess when they discovered the Rebel base with the Death Star, they never radioed it to anyone else? Yeah, they didn't tell anyone. Now he's like, <laughs> like we'll just go blow it up. We'll, we'll tell everyone else later. We're assuming that he's not only adrift, but somehow we knocked out his comms and everything. So he's going to be just floating through space It's a short-range fighter. So, yeah. So, no no plan for us to send any scouts out to find him in that position. Yeah, yeah maybe and we maybe should shoot him down while job. he's up there floating helpless. Yeah. But, well, it's not helpless. I mean, he flies off at the end. The ship's still fully operational. I'm just saying they assume that it's going to take him a while to reestablish contact with Where the Empire. Where else can he go? Okay, I again, this is my problem. I get, I get on sidetracks. But... <laughs> He has to fly to Yavin. What, he doesn't have hyperspace. Is he going to fly to another planet somewhere at sublight speed? That would take, like, what, decades? Yeah, one would assume that he would have to call for help pretty much immediately. And again, it's like, why didn't we just send some folks out there? We could have sent all, all our remaining X-Wings. I like how passive-aggressive Leia is here. She's like, the rebellion must continue elsewhere, even without you, Han. Yeah, like, even well, like I yeah. wasn't here for most of it, so it's <laughs> yeah. always been. I mean, and now R two's upset that that Han's leaving. When did R two ever even spend time with Han? He wasn't with Han at all. Well, they were both of the droids were on the on the ship on the I ship. Guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess he played uh, with Chewbacca. Yeah, he might miss Chewbacca more. You see that little sad bloop he's making. <laughs> The, like people make fun, but one of my favorite things about the the original Marvel comic is where they, they just went for it with the sound effects. Chewie's always like gronking or growling or something, yeah. and it's just bloop bleep bloop. They have no, they don't have any problem with that being the dialogue of R two D two, and they're like people, are, they're gonna they're gonna get it. I think that's part of like we said. That's what's fun. They're not taking it too seriously. But they're still trying to make a good story. The the Falcon looks weird up there. Yeah, look at that. Look at that cockpit. That's all wrong. <laughs> I mean, they th- by this point they had the uh, actual. I don't know if I should throw Howard Chaykin under the bus here or not, but but he really phoned it in because they they requested him, like they wanted Howard Chaykin because he had done some great work and 
not only did he just kind of do half the job. Yeah, Chewbacca on, looks kind of weird too. But in some of the issues in the adaptation, he didn't even do it. He just had someone ghost it and they put his name on it. Marvel didn't even find out till later. Like, were you telling me this guy's been working for us as a professional artist? It's like, yeah, you might as well give him a job because he's been drawing my stuff for years. Jeez, <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> Respect the craft. But yeah, so everybody looks weird. The ships look weird. I can't wait till Chewie we get into the Carmines. When we get into the, that was kind of prescient because now if you look at the new movies when they show Chewie's hands, they always look weird because he just has these like perfectly human hands, and we never saw his hands once before in anything else. Yeah, they always just look like like dog paws or something because they're all covered with fur. You couldn't tell. I'll be excited when we get into the Carmine Infantino art because that might be the most fun and stylized version of that the expanded Star Wars mythology. Like you, they get some great artists now in the the series, but people are too good at, at people are getting too good at doing likenesses of the actors, and they have a lot of material to base it on now. But in those early days, they're just like, the guy looks like this, this is his color hair, this is what he wears, and that's and that's the look of the character. And then with Carmine Infantino stuff, it's just, it's phenomenal, the detailing and stuff on the spaceships and everything. And obviously he has a signature style of, of drawing that you'd never get that now. You'd never have an artist drawing an adaptation book like Star Wars in his own signature style and all the characters conform to that style. You're only going to have where people just get really excited about finding someone who's good at capturing those likenesses. And that and it, drags then, it down I a little mean, bit. At, at comic ad, were comic adaptions even common back then? For movies? They weren't successful, but they still happened a lot. Like The biggest tie-in that happened before Star Wars was Planet of the Apes. And it wasn't successful. So it's weird that they would keep doing that. There's like a 2001. I want it because I think, I, but I think it's too expensive. They're, they did a 2001 comic with Jack Kirby doing it. It's like, oh, that's yeah, what I want I've got read. the first issue of that. I think it's, you check it out. But it's, I think it's it doesn't worth follow the movie, if I recall. It, it just like takes place in that universe, so to speak. I've seen some of the covers online, so I think that makes sense. I'm like, man. And that's where, um, was it uh, Machine Man first appeared in that in that series? I think. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. That's I love. I could be wrong. I I'm buying wrong. up as much old Jack Kirby as I can afford because his stuff is just, and it's not like old Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four kind of stuff because I can't afford that. But, but Mister Miracle, all the Fourth World stuff. Like I've got some old New Gods and the Demon, like Black Panther. Those are getting kind of pricey, unfortunately. But I've yeah. got I got New several. Gods is going to get pricey soon. I'm working on it. But They're it's, making it's, a movie of that. New Gods is pretty pricey now, so it's hard to get hold of. But I did get hold of number one. Oh, good. And I got That's Black cool. Panther number one, but it's not in super good condition. I don't really care about that though. I just want it. I just want it to be not falling apart and then I can read it. I'm less concerned about... I'm not at all concerned about the resale value because I'm not buying them to flip them. I'm buying them to read them. Yeah, and when you get a super high, you know, high-grade uh, comic, it's it's kind of it's kind of scary to read it and touch it and stuff. Yeah. Like, Man, this, this thing's like $1,000. I don't want to touch it. And they're like, get that graded and slabbed. It's like, then what good is it? It's good for selling. That's pretty much it. But that's so pointless. I guess I don't putting wanna... on your wall and, like, I... you know, showing it off. 
you can put it on your wall without slabbing it. Put it in a frame if that's if that's your thing. But to render a book unreadable, I mean, I don't, that's a whole different tangent for me. But, but yeah, come on, we'll have a, we'll have an issue. Maybe we'll have a special episode about that because I have thoughts on that too. I'm not as against it as you are, but I do think it has a it has a place, a limited place. Uh, I like how here Han says, you know, hey Chewie, we're on our way. I'd give my stars for yeah, to stay another, there and help Princess Leia. Another questionable <laughs> idiom. Stars You would think that Han would be one of the easier ones to write, but it's so funny because now it's second nature to us that this is a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, it has no connection to our world. But now like Han apparently comes from a place that had an Old West style era. That is still, yeah, you know, I was still that you can still remember. Was a Western character, but not literally. Star Spurs. <laughs> like, why would he have Spurs? Just he doesn't like, have a horse. But that's, that's like saying, how the Falcon goes faster. I'd retire my space boots. It's like it's such a lazy. It's like why? <laughs> just, don't just add star to it. It's like well, I they, know that's what makes all this old science fiction so fun. They'd say, "Well, I had space to it. That makes it sci-fi." But you would think, like Roy Thomas at the time, is like, "Well, it's Star Wars, <laughs> all right? Don't say I invented this. This is Star Wars. That's all he did." But it's now everything ship. Now it's Why can't he have sacrosanct. <laughs> yeah, he can't have star spurs. I mean, because Han does mention crop dusting in the yeah, first that's movie, true. and and Luke is. A moisture farmer. There's no crops. There's no dusting. That doesn't happen. Well, there might, you know, there might be some crops on Tatooine. He doesn't know he's growing. He's uh, collecting moisture. Well, he knows he's on a from a farm, though. I mean, like it's just a thing. It's like if I'm Roy Thomas and you're going to give me grief, that's be the first thing I say. It's like I think you need to to take a more critical eye to that original movie and yeah. see me objectively <laughs> using that as the source material for this. <clears throat> Didn't feel out of left field. <clears throat> Get a smuggling czar on your tail, buddy. Even a galactic war won't save you. And there's another. Urk. Yeah, everything. Guruk. Everything is just. <laughs> I love it. There's He's going to have better. us both zapped by one of his blaster happy bongos. Yeah, that I'll <laughs> give you. Bad, how much bad slang can you fit in like three pants? Blaster happy bongo I'll allow. This is back when they were spelling Job of the Hut with one T. That happened for a while. Set him for uh, Tatooine. Next stop, Moss Eisley Spaceport. Mm-hmm. Back to the first okay. movie. I will give them this, that at your, the very first thing you think is, oh, God, here we go. Because <laughs> the very first thing they say is, we're going back to a locale from the first movie, which now, in expanded Star Wars, and even now the core canon Star Wars, that's all anybody ever wants to do, is go yeah. revisit a place we've already been in another movie. So and this is particularly bad because this is like two, like four issues, I guess, after we first see Tatooine. Yeah. So to give them credit, that's that's where Han is planning to go. It's where he needs to go because he has to pay Jabba, who is on Tatooine. Yeah, that's his. And I'm not threat. even gonna wonder. Like I want to. My mind wants to ask why was he on Tatooine in A New Hope if Jabba. You know, the kingpin of the galaxy lives on Tatooine, is after him. Why is he hanging out in Mos Eisley anyway? Well, that's the weird thing, the disconnect between the Jabba we see in Return of the Jedi and the Jabba we see in A New Hope, because, and honestly, I cannot get into this, because this could be not, not even a whole other episode, it's a whole other show, but the mechanics in that original 
scene of whether or not there was a bounty on Han's head at all is difficult to, to track down because there's different versions of that scene depending on what version of the movie we're watching. But originally, when when Greedo is coming after Han and Han runs into Jabba in the cut scene, the idea is if you don't pull this job off for me and pay me back, I will then put a bounty on your head. That's oh, see, I didn't know that. That's what's hanging over Han, and I think uh, we can. We, we probably should go back to the the original adaptation, but the adaptation probably stays true to that version of the dialogue because the Jabba scene's in the adaptation. But when they started finagling things around, they cut out Jabba and they gave some of Jabba's dialogue to Greedo. Greedo just says, "You know what? Jabba already is done with you, and there is already a price on your head." <laughs> <laughs> and then in all of the, the iterations of them changing the Greedo scene, even after they reintegrated the Jabba scene, they never corrected that in Greedo's dialogue. So Greedo and Jabba both say some of the same stuff and some contradictory stuff. Because he basically runs into Greedo and Greedo says, Jabba's put a giant price on your head. And then like he leaves and he runs into Jabba in the next scene. And Jabba's like, I'm going to put a price on your head. It's like, well, which is it, man? Yeah. Like, what are you one? talking about? It's like you need to yeah, communicate with with your troops because I got a different message from Greedo. It was so dumb that they put that back in, and he's standing there with Boba Fett, McClunky. and he's like, "If there's a price in my head, why don't you just take me in now?" Right? I mean, you literally second. got me surrounded by bounty hunters instead of letting <laughs> you mouth off and step on your tail. What's what are we even talking about here? And then Boba Fett looks at the camera, which is so cheesy. It's so perfect for what that is, though. Like, there's no better way to end this scene. He's like, huh? Huh? Do you see? Then Boba just Fett. Huh? Yeah, I'm in this. So, so anyway, yeah. Well, we got through that quicker than I would have thought. But the the point is, in terms of in the context of the comic book series. Han's motivation is around the fact that if we can cut this thing off, we can we can settle it with Jabba before it gets that far. And that's where we that find him at the beginning sense. of this story. Yeah, there'd be no reason in the world. It's like, if my, there's already a bounty on my head, I'll be damned if I go back to Tatooine to pay my own bounty, I guess? Or to pay him off so he won't be hunting you anymore. That that makes sense to me. I mean, that's... <clears throat> I mean, isn't that what, it, what he's trying to do? Yeah. Just pay, pay off whatever he owes. That's his entire motivation in Star Wars is I need to get this big payoff. This could save our necks. He says it. Like, that's what... The, I mean, I, I, could, I was going to say you could write essays, but I have written essays about <laughs> how the Greedo scene doesn't make sense because he relieves all of that tension by saying it's already too late. <laughs> like, so Han's motivation for wanting all that money is already diluted at that point because he already can't save himself from Jabba the Hutt. But in this, uh, keeping with the original idea of, of that sequence, his motivation is, I got the money, we can go clear our name and be, and be done with it. And that's where, that's where they're headed at, in page two. What does this mean? We've got a few more light years to go before we even cut to hyperspace? Well, does he, he know what light year means? Well, yeah, it's distance. He's, so he's going to travel the distance that light travels in a year, a couple of times. Well, they do before the, he cuts to hyperspace. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. 
No. <laughs> I call BS on that. That's true. Like, that doesn't make any sense, Han. We just have to clear yeah. the gravity well. I'm just going to go ahead and say irk. Yeah. Allow me to, to gronk devil's advocate for just a minute here. That's what hyperspace is for. We're going exactly zero light years without it. Maybe Chewie's like, yeah, you're right. And then just quietly switches it over to hyperspace. <laughs> exactly. He's like, he's like, meek, mock, and just hits the button. Yeah. Like, what right again, huh? Yeah. Just let me know when you you're know ready this. for light speed. Again. All right, Paige. All right. Remember those old uh, record books where it was like the Darth, the, the R2-D2 yeah. sound? I might be able to actually find that and put it in. That'd be fun. No, we'll get danged. The bottle will get us. Oh, gosh. Okay. Bigger. Bigger. Bigger than that? No, that's fine. After all, look at the bright side, Chewbacca. Old chum. He just called him old chum. Old chum. Yep. Even after we pay off Jabba, there's still enough of the treasure the ribs gave us. To buy a small planet. What? Yeah. They gave him they, enough money to buy a planet? They gave mm. you enough money to buy a planet and they have to live on a moon? Yeah. That's crap. That doesn't make any sense. And they have to go he find a small another planet. moon? It's small. Yeah. A moon's like a small planet. Some One kind of Star Wars at 2 o'clock prime. Does 2 o'clock work on a three-dimensional? I'm assuming the prime is what <laughs> is the modifier that makes that work. Because <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I guess... Two o'clock prime means that it's on like just regular two o'clock. I mean, actual pilots use at two o'clock and stuff. So I, that's a that's a good question. I wonder what that means. They well, say high and low. I think right. It, it also again assumes that they have clocks that are designed exactly like ours. Oh yeah, and, well yeah. And I don't talking, believe that anybody has ever established because I think they just usually come again, Mark two or whatever. You know, they just say yeah. something like weird coordinate talk. They don't say. But that's it's part like, of the fun of the comics, too. Like I said, you're not taking it as seriously as they would no, now. now it was, someone would throw a fit like, oh, that's it, not It was the a movie for kids, used. and it's a comic for kids. Scope despite the, shows us Despite the hell of a... Hell of a... Well, when you were a kid, that's, that's where you got... Haroo! Haroo! <laughs> I don't know. It's a derelict. How yeah. do they know it's not an Empire ship? Well, Empires it? only use certain kind of ships, I guess. Why is it now we're traveling so slow that a derelict could be drifting in our direction? <laughs> Got a couple if light years to go. It's coming right at us. It's like, good Lord. I'm starting to think you don't really want to get to Tatooine very hard. So what's Chewbacca say? He's saying it's space pirates? Okay, yeah, because he's yeah. Haru. You've got a point there, pal. Could he's very like, well be. A weird space cruiser pirates. coming at us is probably just Pirates! Now, why is it, if it's a derelict drifting cruiser, why do they think it's pirates? Would they be drifting? Well, that's what I mean. There's no way you could look at that and think it's drifting unless you're already going so slow that just an object on its own inertia. (laughs) Give her the gun, Chewie. We're making a run for it. (laughs) You better be able to outrun it. You're supposed to be the fastest ship in the fleet. You thought it was just floating a second ago. Oh, look, they're jet fighters. Yeah, they got little snub fighters. So that's pretty cool. Fighter craft. It is far too late to outdistance the various types of fighter craft, which issue guns blazing from the metal belly of the mothership. This is consistent with Star Wars, because in any other sci-fi, you would think they don't have any kind of long range. 
sensors that would have told him there's a ship coming out like no this is totally true for star wars this is what happens a ship gets above your ship sucks your ship into it and that's that (laughs) like there's no defense against it and that's what happens here they get tractor beamed in immediately so han han has to go man the forward laser cannon while chewie flies this is a real weakness in the falcon like, if you want to fire the gun, somebody has to leave the cockpit. That seems... Yeah, they don't have be a, any weapons controls way. whatsoever. Yeah, because they have that underbelly gun that you need a separate guy to fire. But it does seem weird that we can't fire anything. I don't think this that's This is why he spec. survived so long as a space mercenary. <laughs> I thought he was a smuggler. Mercenary sounds pretty cold. Yeah. I'm so mad at myself thinking about money when I should have been flying my ship. You should be able to see it. The giant cruiser moves into position. From this angle, it looks like an Imperial ship. Yeah, And it it doesn't look very giant, unless it's just a weird perspective thing. I think it's like like a Star Destroyer, but it's kind of smaller. It's one of their lighter cruisers, I guess. That's bad art right there, because there's no way the Falcon would fit into that thing at this angle. Yeah, because it's, it's supposed to be further away, though. It's not, yeah, uh, it, but it's supposed to be way further away, I guess. Yeah, it just doesn't look good. Crunk! <laughs> You're right, Chewie. <laughs> I'm mad as hell. <laughs> I should have been checking the scope. I should have been scoping. This guy I love in the very next page. This guy becomes one of the, the sort of lower level recurring baddies, the Scrimson Jack. And oh, he looks amazing. He's he looks awesome. like a Marvel character in those tights. He looks like a John Carter character because he's not wearing pants for no reason and he's wearing yeah. like those weird buccaneer boots that have the, the fold fold down flaps. And no one seems to care that he's not wearing pants. It's it's t- it's telling that the instant they leave characters from the actual movies, they revert to like actual complete sci-fi tropes. Yeah, like it's just looking a lot more like Flash. There's a guy here who just has a cutlass and he's wearing a pirate skull yeah, cap. A cutlass. <laughs> he's wearing. He they has watch, a gun like, in the other hand. What is he prepared for? What's this guy they doing? They didn't watch the movie and look at, you know, look at Moss Eisley and see how people dressed, how other characters in that that world dressed. They just went ahead and said, "Yeah, this guy, he's going to have a uh, tight underoos on." We're going to go for it. That guy's got an eye patch. That guy's got an earring. I said they're space pirates. It's a space eye patch. Now why is he have one a stormtrooper there? One guy who's it's just repurposed stormtrooper. Oh, he's a fallen stormtrooper. Yeah, he just took it off of, of, of a dead one. But it looks pretty shiny. It, you guys could have, again, with the art, you guys could have painted little, it or something. Should have put, put some pirate, yeah. pirate symbols, some graffiti on there. Gronk like again. gun just looks like a revolver. Yeah. Starhoppers is it? a good one. Drop it, Starhoppers, before I drop you. I'm going to allow Starhoppers like bongos. That's, we can keep those. That's better. He's all yours, Captain. I like her beret. Nice work, Jolly. Yeah. Why he didn't force you to kill him? Oh, he knows who Han Solo is, and yeah. he knows him. If it isn't Crimson Jack, long time no see. That's weird. I didn't know long time no see was such an old saying. To go back to the seventies. <laughs> Goes back a long time ago. There we go. Yeah, you Nova Happy. What is Nova Happy? Yeah, Nova what? Mm-hmm. You space like, jerk. <laughs> you star assassin me. 
show him the loop. Rump. Everything. Oh, he does have loot. Yeah, he's got the treasure. Uh, poor, poor Han. Not to he buy a planet. A yeah, two seconds after Star Wars is over, and if anyone wonders, even left the, like, hasn't even left the system yet. What's Han okay. going to do? Yeah, he's crawling along. I mean, he's begging for it. Maybe he could call some Tie Fighter. I mean, some X Wings to come help him. <laughs> yeah, maybe look around and see if Darth Vader is still out there. Just floating. Ant left it to me. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's that's weak. <laughs> yeah, come on, Han. I like that's true to the story, too, though, because Han, despite being a famous smuggler, is terrible, terrible at, at um, what's the word, um, conning people? His no. job. <laughs> yeah. Subterfuge but, you know, like, is what he's terrible he at. He gets on the, he's he like, can, oh, everything's fine now. Just he gotta, cannot do the subterfuge. He's terrible we got at a it. nuclear leak. Let us lock that down. Like, he's terrible at lying. What I like and is these pirates assume they know Han, but they assume he has a treasure. Like, when did you ever know Han to have a treasure? Well, he's a famous smuggler. You, you can, I think it's safe to assume he's smuggling something. I think if I were Han at this point, I would I would really invest in like a fake stash of treasure. Like you know, like yeah. people have a backup wallet in case they get mugged. Just do that. Like like ten percent of the treasure in a different compartment. If it's enough to buy a planet, they'd be like, "Yeah, this is this is a good haul, Solo. Not bad." What's this guy's What's this guy's name again? Crimson Jack. Crimson Jack. I like how he says, "This will be sufficient for the present." Like, That's enough money to buy a small planet, man. If you even count it, what do you know? What's sufficient? You're just looking at boxes. Can I blast them? <laughs> we got what we wanted. Can we murder them? Let's go, lads. I like to think of him having a weird Scottish accent because he's, well, a, he he's like a bearded does, ginger. He's got red hair. Yeah. Let's go, lads. Now we've got the booty. The space booty. They should have made this the movie, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, there it goes, Chewie. Shoot him down, man. Do yeah. something. Call for help. Nope. That's it. <laughs> they got us fair and square. I do like this reference to Aquilae. He's like, I'm going to be tracked down by every bounty hunter this side of Aquilae. That's an old school from earlier drafts. Planet. Oh, okay. See, I want to say, that. I believe Aquilae was one of the original names of Alderaan. Oh. If I'm remembering that correctly. Well, that's cool. So where did they get that? They they have access to some of the earlier drafts to get some planet names and I'm stuff? I'm sure. They got a lot of materials from Lucasfilm to use. How interesting. Look at Chewie in this picture. He looks like the Grinch. Yeah. What is that angle? Looking. What are you smiling about? Crack, crack. He's glad to be alive. Crack, crack. Like, I guess. One of those rim worlds I was talking about. Right. I also love in sci-fi when planets have a number because there's so many Adubas that you have to start numbering them. Yeah. Well, I assume it's the convention of Aduba is the star and then and the, nobody the bothered to name the planets the that are around it. Although, and you don't see that very much in Star Wars because they name the moons. They're like, here's the forest moon of Indoor. It's like, is this necessary? Yeah. Is Indoor the name of the moon or is Indoor the planet that that's the moon of? Nobody knows. But like then this is the moon of this, Indoor. Of course, it, I can't remember. In Rise of Skywalker, did they just straight up say it was the indoor system or something? I don't know, man. So is that the name of the star now? I don't understand. <laughs> Aduba 3. Relatively few star charts. So star charts aren't aren't all 
encompassing? They just randomly pick what they're going to show? No, they've got competitors. Let's imagine if, like, we have Google Earth and Apple, I mean, Google Maps and Apple Maps or whatever. Imagine it's, like, it's on relatively few direction apps. Yeah, barely any GPSs. Go wrong. Incog- home sweet home for a while. We just randomly picked a place. Yeah. Has he been here before? I guess we live here now, Chewy. It's like, you give up too easy. We could go back anywhere. Go back to the rebellion. <clears throat> they just decide to lay low. That's Han's you got plan. Friends there. I mean, you're probably safer with the rebels. They've got guns and stuff than you are just laying low somewhere. Yeah, your one errand went wrong 10 seconds after you left. They're still there. You, you can don't... come back and go, I changed my mind. Like, <laughs> well, you give that treasure back? Ooh, yeah, about <laughs> yeah. that. I've already donated it to another, to another organization. Space orphans. Incognito planet jumpers. Yeah. What happened to star hoppers? So jumping and hopping, these these are the things that people yeah, you do. You jump planets and you hop stars. You can't jump a star. Come on, man. <laughs> That's just stupid. Yeah. Do you realize how many... There's usually more people in a space. How many space like miles this. there are between stars? I don't know anyone. Some kind of commotion jump. going on near the local cantina. I love this because this is such a D&D setup because it's like, we've been here exactly two seconds. Here's something yeah. happening. Let's intercede with that insect guy and a bantha. <laughs> like, everything else is brand new, but it's the same herd animal from that other no, it's desert a desert planet. looking planet right we are already on another desert planet the buildings look kind of moss isley ish already yeah i'm not going to criticize too much here i mean this is mandalorian rules like we don't just i mean i'm sure at this point people raise banthas it's a thing that guy looks like he's religious let's get a little closer yeah, let's find out what's going on with that religious guy because, you know, this Whenever is my favorite. Whenever I see a riot breaking out, I'm always like, let's get a little closer. This is probably the worst. Besides the proportions of Han's lower body to the size of his giant hand in that panel. Yeah. But, but just the line, he's like, I don't know about much about religion. I skipped Sunday school. Like, hold on. Hold up. Sunday's a day. And they have religious school. It's a religious day. It's a church day. And they have church mm. school on Sunday in Star Wars world. That's a phone it in line. That shouldn't have made it past. Like, he's like, I don't really care what he says. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. What am I supposed to make up a space equivalent of Sunday school? Why? Why does it matter if he's religious? Is that part of the story? No. Like, that's what makes it a weird line. It's like, why do you have to be religious to help this, like, to understand what this religious guy is doing? He ain't putting no Borgs on our mound. Yeah. Well, okay. this is totally, Borgs. like, I mentioned earlier that that this storyline or was, was based on the Magnificent Seven. So this is yeah. the exact opening scene. Like, well, not the fr- exact opening scene, but this is the introduction of Yul Brynner's character. And Steve McQueen's character in the Magnificent Seven, and I know Magnificent Seven is based on the Seventh Seal. This storyline, Seventh Seal, the Seventh Seven Seal. Samurai. Like yeah. now, we're really getting messed up. It's based on Seven Samurai, but this story is not based on Seven Samurai. This story is based on Magnificent Seven. Whether or not Roy Thomas is aware of or, or influenced by Seven Samurai, I don't think is indicated in this story at all. But it's definitely this is 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 a is a rip on on the Western. 
and that's how the western starts where they're they're trying to bury an indian in in the graveyard and the townsfolk aren't having it so the the equivalent the racial equivalent for that in star wars is people are very biased against cyborgs and that's what's happening here huh. they don't want a cyborg being buried in their burial mound so this insect-eyed priest starts hitting them with sticks well, you gotta do what you gotta do. I do like that thrap. I don't blame him. No, they're being rude. This guy comes up with a pretty cool chokehold, though. I like the big blue guy. Yeah, that's the rear naked choke that I've been telling you about for years. Yeah. Well, aside from the boots, I would say so. <laughs> looks pretty naked to me. Yeah, really. The guy, guy looks like Will Smith. Uh, let's see. I don't know what's going on, but if you'll join me. Yeah, I thought you would. So he doesn't Rob. know who's who's right or wrong. For all he knows, this priest is trying to, like, put a bomb in the in the building or something. I mean, he doesn't know. Yeah, all he knows is that one guy is doing something that exactly 100% of everybody in town is against. And he's like, <laughs> I know which side I pick. Rebel at heart. Let's, let it be known that one stood against many. Yeah, exactly. Never tell me the odds. It's like, I know, but honestly, we don't have to do the math. If I just showed you a hundred beans and then I showed you one bean, we wouldn't have to count, right? So him and Chewie, I assume, are going to come to the aid of this insect. Yeah, this guy. I got dude. Before we move on from this page, I do have to say that they're stepping up their game for the weird aliens. Look at that teddy bear guy in the background. What's he about? <laughs> Everyone else looks kind of the same. <laughs> that guy's the most terrifying creature I've ever seen in Star Wars. What are those like tusks, or is that part of his shirt? I am assuming that's part of his shirt, but now I don't know. I do like the green guy on the right, the right side. What kind of swamp and thing looking? Weird. Yeah, just heap. That doesn't look like a bantha. I like the look on its face, though. It's like, whatever. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> the things they make me do. Now, Chewie looks weird here. Yeah, look at He's got that bowl cut going on. Chewie looks like a guy in a monkey suit at this point. <laughs> he totally, he's stepping on some guy that looks like he would be a cyborg. Are those like yeah, tentacles? Yeah, I guess those are tentacles, something? but they do look like little, little retractable kind of things and here we see the cyborg himself i'm guessing he uh if he had brought him in in a non-transparent translucent coffin maybe there wouldn't have been as much trouble yeah for real like you don't have to brag about it plus there's no poop bag on that bantha i mean i guess the guy is dead but <laughs> he's hanging directly in a glass case like it just it feels weird and wrong these guys are just a few mediocre pilots, navigators, crewmen. They don't have the hand-to-hand -hand combat and general roughhousing that Han Solo has. <laughs> yeah, really? I like roughhousing. They're not the He's experts like in shenanigans. Throwing them. Yeah, they Han also Solo. seem, so he, all of a sudden, they're all really little. Because the, the priest was fighting some pretty big-looking characters, but Han and Chewie look like they just started with the little guys. Maybe maybe they were all very little. We just didn't see them in perspective <laughs> yeah. next to Han yet. Yeah, really? Maybe we're giving it. We're not giving him enough credit for sizing up the odds. 
Oh, now like, they're we'll using take words and having to put asterisks. Yeah, the I actually give him some credit for this because para is like a terminology for like father in terms of priest, and phi is a term terminology for child. I'll give him some world building credit for at least trying to put Please, that in. Please do not hurt them. Please hammer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't bear any better give my friend Chewbacca a wide berth for a while. <laughs> Look at the background guys there. Yeah. <laughs> this weak sauce. <laughs> exactly. Grrr. Like there's really more artistry in all of uh, all of Chewie's dialogue. A man words. like alien. <laughs> if there's a man like alien, like what does that mean? Anybody They're really making Wookiees out in this early incarnation of Star Wars and they did it in the movie too. To be like just way bigger and scarier than they end up appearing to be. Because that's the characterization when they start saying, oh, you'll just randomly rip people's arms off. So after the first Star Wars, that's all anybody had as a note. Like, that's what Wookiees are like, not just Chewbacca. Because he doesn't say Chewbacca. He says, you know, whoop, Wookiees, when they lose board games, dismember people. It's like, God, why? Why does anybody play? Why is this here? Do you this never lose? Really scary, and then he he becomes kind of a big teddy bear later. Well, you get at, at that's what's funny about this characterization because you get at, by the end of that that Hans having fun with them. Yeah, like he's trying to intimidate them. He's joking around because obviously I wouldn't play chess with him if he tried to rip my arm off every time he lost. If I yeah. were a droid, I might because I mean you could just put it back on. What's the big deal? Look at the Bantha on the next page. It's like, they're really doing a lot. That Man. Bantha looks put out. He needs to lose a little weight. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why is this? And this is like when you see those hairless cats. Like, why does this Bantha have what seems like no hair? Because they're just like a big shaggy mound in the movies. But now, I don't know, he looks kind of like a dinosaur with the weird honeycomb. Horns. I like how he's like, he's a Borg. You know the term. Half human, half droid. Wouldn't you call him a Hroid or a Druman? Or android? Wouldn't that make more sense since that's the yeah, literal mandroid? word? <laughs> like the mandroid. actual word for a half human, half droid is android. The, like just I just uh, etymology there, guys. Like to say, you know, Borg is the term for, I don't know. There's a scene in in uh, BoJack Horseman where they're doing a dumb word play, and, and he's like a rhino, and he's an albino rhino, and he's like a gyno too. He's like on a date, and he's like, "Hey, I'm a, I'm the only albino rhino gyno I know." And then he's there at a restaurant, and he's like, "Bring more wine, more wine. We need all the wine." She's like, "Oh, on top of everything else, you're also a wine addict." It's like a perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like set up like I really felt like I knew what the end of that was going to be that's what I feel like here you know the term Borg right it's like uh, yeah well yeah so it's short for cyborg right <laughs> like, what is nope. Borg like cyborg but what does that mean Where's cybernetic cy, I guess. Or cybernetic, cybernetic organism organism okay I see yeah. it now okay but we're not going there with that where it's like it's half man half droid it's like I feel like because droid already is a shortened version of another robot word. I don't even know. On top of that, you're you're also a wine addict. Spacers have a age-old pre prejudice against any kind of robot. Since when? 
since they walked into that bar one time and that one guy didn't want droids there. Like I said, that, that's where like the every little line like peppers the entire mythology. That's that's what's so fascinating about this stuff to me. Like that's what they get. You know how guys in bars all hate robots. Like it you know what that guy's story was in the movie. If Han had, had shown a little bit of racism Spacers towards the robots, at least sounds like a thing. Speciesism. I don't know what you'd call it. And he's like, I have all his kind money, like and that's not little suspicious. World building, but I'll show. give it to whoever buries him. What now? Well, he's like, here, I have this small oh. sack of coins. First of all, don't sell it as a small sack of coins. Yeah, this enormous sack of coins. Yeah, that is a big sack of coins to just be carrying around. That doesn't seem... Well, if it's pennies, but we're like, hard to say. We're in a futuristic space world. Like, Do I have to carry my money in a sack? Doesn't Han flip like a coin on the counter when he shoots Greedo, though? Yeah, they do have so, money, money. I'm not... I just think just having a bag of it like that... Because look at that guy. There's no pockets in that outfit. This is totally a and d thing. Like, I've got a sack of gold or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But nobody in D&D said, if you go into the sewer and fight that reptile, man, I'll give you this small sack of coins. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> I mean, I guess we really did get in for a pound for free so far, but still... You just bought yourself a last resting place. That's how desperate Han is now. <laughs> now, now I bury robots digger. for coins. I'm a grave like, digger now. Should we? Literally, it's a day to. after I blew up the Death Star. <laughs> if even a day. We've <laughs> fallen on hard times, Perhaps Chewie. the same day. What can I say? Yeah. I'm still wearing the outfit I wore when I went in the Death Star. Like, maybe, I haven't changed. Maybe Not that, that I'm wearing the same outfit after washing it. I haven't changed. With that small sack of coins, I might be able to get another shirt. <laughs> yeah, so this, we're, we're on the way up. Everything's coming up Millhouse. I do love... Spacers are a weird lot. Yeah, there's like yeah, that is true. It's like just look behind me at, at the vast amount of of ethnic diversity being represented in those guys. Yet they they're all completely bigoted towards a cyborg. Where they all have two arms spacers? and two legs. Where's the imagination, guys? Yeah, where do the tentacle people go? I mean, this is all basically humans with weird heads. Yeah. Well, don't box us in. Who said we were only bigoted against Borgs? Maybe we don't like armless people. You don't know us. That's what we don't like about the Borg. He only has one real arm. <laughs> yeah. The other arm doesn't count. The size Maybe of this band that keeps changing. Maybe it's that particular Borg we don't like. They called him Jim the, the Serial Killer. <laughs> At last, we have enough money to get by here for a while. We have this small sack of coins. Looks like that'll... That'll so last bar- for a while. Burying one like guy this. can get you by for a while and apparently get you a Bantha. Does he get to keep the Bantha? No. I don't want to spoil it, but Oh but okay. no. None of the none of them would dare to make a face to face challenge with Han Solo. But they I do a lot of they, but, <laughs> I like but they're the masters of theatrical sneaks. Look at those guys on the right. Yeah. All of a sudden. And now they're throwing stones at my man? Like, come on now. Hurt Nurk. I didn't know that uh that the Star Wars comic was so so socially aware. Oh yeah. They're already showing yeah. know, different Take that, you dirty problems. Borg lickers. 
It's like, come on, is this book's for kids? Yeah, I've never licked a board. Swamp cats. Grog. Yeah. <laughs> like you might be strong as a freighter load of swamp cats. It's like I'm not sure, but I'm gonna. I'll I'll say you can pull the ears off a gun. Dark is probably at the same level as that line. So now they're dragging them off to beat them. It's like, come on, God. Come on, Sean. I mean, Sean. Um, Han. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Han. Yank your blaster, man. You're a good shot, supposedly. Yeah, you guys hardly even trying. But again, very much like what happened in Magnificent Seven. They only started shooting people at the very end. I like at the end of that, said the priest came back, though from where none can say. Yeah, what's that? I, I assumed he was there the whole time. I mean, you guys, the frames are pretty tight. Rorg! <laughs> yeah. He's pulling his punches, though. Like, that's, they got to tell us that, because Chewie could take your head off. And Han's doing a classic Kirk move here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to line myself up for a scissor do. kick. Judo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Space judo. And then the weird tentacle guy comes in. He's got an axe. It's like some of these guys are completely outclassed. Because even Han's you know, like, you, he may guy, have a security and battle axe, but I still have a gun. <laughs> why does he have a battle axe? That's kind of weird. Yeah. It's like he knew when he left the house that day that someone's going to try to bury a cyborg. Or is he always ready for that? I'm like, what? The blaster says, what? <laughs> yeah. I have to murder. I don't have any have no choice. choice. Yeah. Couldn't shoot the axe or the hand or the leg or <laughs> like, give him a warning. <laughs> Chewbacca apparently gets into a bloodlust fury. <laughs> the, the, the first sight of blood <laughs> starts murdering everything exactly. around him. <laughs> and he does look back there. It's just like a, it just blows up like eight guys in one in one panel. It just murdered the entire town. It's like, oh, this is why I don't sound that dinner bill very often. No, he's like, so uh, who's going to pay me to bury all these dudes? Do I get all their small bags of coins if we do? They started this clam bake. These space and, happy uh, clowns. This, this, the, the banter in this is so, so, so. Grrrg. Chewie's head is weird again in this panel. I don't know why they can't get the proportions of Chewie. Yeah, he looks Cro-Magnon or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going now on. Now it's kind of a... I think someone just said, well, if, if you can't find a picture, just remember he looks kind of like a gorilla. <laughs> like, I guess. Like, Not you, really. You've got to have a picture. The movie's out by this point. Yeah, we had pictures Urk. before. Behind me? Where? It's like, behind you. <laughs> what do you mean, where? Behind you. <laughs> Six o'clock prime, dumbass. Yeah. Oh. Now I see. Ah, I see. Thanks. I right you. behind me. Oh, so uh, I saved your life, so we're we're clear now. Oh, no life day over. <laughs> okay, yeah, bye. I could go home and see my family in time for life day. Corellian born mercenary again. He's a mercenary. Everything. He's been a star pirate from a smuggler to virtually a star pirate. He's got a limit. And a seven foot anthropoid. I like how they're, they're, what, 15 separate words for violence in the Wookiee vocabulary. It's like, <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, There's we, probably more than that in English, though, to, to be say, honest. Yeah, depending on how, like, if, if we're going to count kerfuffle. A warm-hearted priest of a species which does not even have a heart. Together they stand, side by side, then back to back, in turns. 
Your weapon's making a bitter swath. What I love, multicolored, very shaped. Everyone is just running away in terror now. Like things have turned. This isn't heroic. They stand back to back and murder everyone in shooting people back to back. Shooting people in the back. (laughs) All right. Does that happen in the movie? I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I I don't remember. Did they ever shoot? Anybody? In I the mean, back. is this what happens? He like helps them, and then the crowd. Oh, and rocks at him or something. Yeah, yeah. But what happens in it, it, they, Steve McQueen and Yul Brynner like ride the coach towards the 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 grave, just like this. And then at the very end, there's like a little gathering of people with guns that are like, you know, don't go any further, and like, don't make me shoot you, and all this kind of nonsense. And then he shoots him in the hand, like Tom Berenger style. Yeah. <laughs> Good old-fashioned wrestlers rhapsody. You folks don't settle down. I'm going to have to shoot you in the hand until the first of the spacers turns tail to flee. What first? We just—they've been running for like the last four panels. Don't the let your guard down. I love comic book talk back in those days. I do love the comic book talk. Yeah, they could try to pick us. Now there's from the bodies shadows. all over the road. <laughs> We're gonna look. This is where we're gonna stay to lay low, and we've just we had a bloodbath on the first afternoon. Be gone, defilers of the sacred way. (laughs) Smite! I'll defile your face. Smite is good. Looks like we've won. The Borg's right to be buried on the hill. We only had to kill Spacer's at least hill. what one, yeah. two, three, four, five, what six people at least on the ground here. And the problem is we're gonna we're gonna need another Spacer's Hill. Looks yeah. like <laughs> we've only had to kill six people to yeah. bury this one. Yeah, what I don't but understand about it. this it was worth it or Magnificent Seven is like here's here's a, if you're going to de-escalate, just let them bury them, and then when they're gone, dig them up. <laughs> Like, yeah. problem solved. I know you guys are real proud of your racism and, and you want to wear it on your sleeve, but I'm just saying that nobody gets shot. As my holy book says, for every sin, there's an equal and positive retribution. Yeah, so not wanting someone to be buried somewhere because you don't like their kind, I guess. For being a little equal. racist, you will all be murdered. Yeah, I mean, that is equal, but positive retribution. And to be fair, they're more than a little racist. I get it. They were they started like a a mob fight in the street. Yeah, I guess they, they weren't, weren't just voicing annoyed. their displeasure. Yeah, yeah. they, they, they started a fight. Rocks. They had Sicurdian battle axes or whatever, and they pulled the pulled them off the the banta and stuff. But still, yeah. but it feels like you might have been able to to do that without murdering quite as many people. And why does he have to be buried there? I, like, I mean, would you want to be buried somewhere where everyone would, you know, hate you and desecrate your grave and stuff? <laughs> yeah, I guess sound. once you're on the mound, that like, like well, we can't do anything there. That'd be wrong. I know an armored creep named Darth Vader who's in for one hell of a payoff one of these days. You know Darth Vader? Yeah. How How do you know Darth Vader? You didn't even know he was in the ship you shot, and you've never <laughs> seen him. That's true. Well, he saw him briefly, I guess, when he killed Ben. Yeah, but even then, he wasn't worried about Vader. He was trying to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> that little victory solved all our problems, right? Well, you did murder half the town there. Yeah. We do have law here. I don't know if you're it aware did. of it. 
it, it created maybe potentially more problems, though. Yes. Yeah, so, like I said, my holy book says equal and positive retribution. That includes murder. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not sure. Not all those guys, you know, were attacking you when you shot them, Chewy. They I'm struck the hapless Bantha, though. I didn't want oh, to spoil no. it for you guys early, but yeah. Oh, well, that's not necessary. Now, now I'm feeling a little bit better about you guys all being murdered. Well, what, so, and that's just so do. that they have to carry them. That's the only reason that had to happen. Come on, guys. That's not necessary. I feel like this. A Borg is far heavier than a human because he's half metal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Professor. Metal weighs more than human people probably stuff. although we're we're in some kind of like space future so maybe not maybe we have light metals and heavy skins i know we're all different i have yeah. an insect not head. for us right chewy and then chewy carries it by himself <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but what i like in this show a little respect like, chewy's like i'm doing my makes a show of pretending that he's helping yeah. Here, let me just get this steady right on. Yeah, get the balance just right. Just show just a little crump. respect, Chewie. Come on, I got this. The, the holy guy's not doing anything. I get. I'm just. I'm gonna be here in case it starts to slip. Hrunk. Yeah, hrunk seems to have a very specific meaning. Somebody's got to bring up the rear, right? Hrunk. You already said that. See. <laughs> Yeah, like four Still times. It. With the, the gods insect of space the are watching over the priest, eerie chirp-like chanting. They give no sign. Good old space gods. That was thirsty work. You wouldn't know if there's a cantina at the beginning of this when they landed here. He says there's some trouble over there by the cantina. He actually <laughs> says that. Now he's like, you don't know if there's a cantina. Yeah, Han might be a little heat struck at this point. The third structure on the left. Like, come on, there's like eight buildings there. Just look for the one with a sign outside. Since you did, since you did all you did in a fair fight, the spacers <laughs> respect that. You murdered half of them in a fair fight. I guess it's true. I do like the space babes in the cantina, though. Like, here we go. Oh, it says Zeltron. Is that what they're called? That does look like a Zeltron. I didn't realize that they they went back that far. Or is it just happened to be a pinky colored It's probably, person? yeah, there's only so many colors you can make the ladies. And and it seems like it, during the course of the comic, there's a there's a lady in every color. They'd be cool if they somehow retroactively made that a Zeltron. Hey, go ahead and say it now. I mean, she yeah, looks like okay, a Okay, I'm saying it. It's a Zeltron. You could say it's does the character that, we're familiar with. She she's looks, got the fashion. You know how they had that kind of weird 80s yeah. thing going They're on? Very, Zeltrons are very sexual. And they had that, you know, that very dated 80s fashion kind of thing. She, she's got the glam, glam look going on. What's funny is, as weird as it sounds, Zeltrons were not created by a male writer. Like, that was Mary Jo Duffy. That was her deal. Yeah, well, girls can be sexist, too, I guess. I like how Chewie's like, Snoop, I couldn't agree with you more, pal, because Chewie's attracted Snoop. to these girls. He's not attracted say, to Wookiee girls. I'm gonna, I am want to actually do a grab of that of that balloon right there and put it on yep. a T-shirt, just because that's <laughs> like, sweet. That is, that's definitely Wookiee for sweet. It's like, what do you think about the, the talent nice. in the cantina here? Snoop. You I said really, a mouthful. I really get to like it here, too. 
Chanoop. Come on, Han. I thought you loved Leia. Like two seconds ago, you were all talking about her. Well, we we haven't made each other any promises or anything. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, she didn't buy what I was selling. Then Han uses up all of his coins. Another to round buy for everyone the house. around, just so they don't hate him. Get him nice and drunk so they can attack us again. I like that little snaggletooth dude in the foreground. Yeah, with his weird little fingers. He's going for it. Not everybody cares that there was just a massacre right outside the window. Well, that shows what kind of town this is. It's Han's kind of town. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, Moss Eisley times a hundred. So does this happen in the uh, in the the movie Magnificent no. Seven? No. Oh, well, I actually guess they they are. Uh, I'm trying to remember, Yul Brynner is I think in a bar when the that's when the townsfolk show up and hire him. So it's sort of sort of like this, yeah. <clears throat> How about you, little lady? I'm trying this on every girl in the place. Mm-hmm. Chanoop. There's a lady there. Uh, why? I, I'm actually surprised, Han, that you wouldn't go for that girl in the back who has the Princess Leia buns. Oh, yeah. That's the style. I don't get what he's saying. What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? I hope. I hope. <laughs> what? What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe the, the Maybe the order is wrong there. Maybe it's, how about you, little lady? I hope. But no, not if, well, if you. That doesn't make sense. If you either. follow the 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 hyphens, no, because it's a continuation. Yeah, and you don't ask a question like, "Hey, what time is it?" I hope. I mean, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Do we have to go back to the original and see if something was retconned there? Why don't we take a walk and swap oh. life stories? I feel like this is a trap. Just because. Just because I'm, no girl has sure ever asked line... me to to take a walk and talk to her before. <laughs> So Not after I delivered such a ridiculous line. Like, how about you, I hope? Or, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing, I hope? What do you mean? She's nope, like, I'm well, looking at the original right now, and Ford. it says, what's I'll a nice girl it. like you doing in a place like this, I hope? So, that's not lost in reprint translation. Oh, you're looking at the actual edition. Yeah. Took it back to the source material. I would hope they Checks haven't changed out. anything in these. I'll be upset if they did. You never can tell. Oh, they left hell of it. I don't know of any examples of that happening in the Star Wars comics, but... All right, let's swap life stories. It's like, whoa, whoa. Let's slow down a little. Yeah, this is a comic for children. Plus, so, I <laughs> wasn't really getting into life stories. I was just thinking, like, let's swap right you now You're going to be stories. okay by yourself, Chewie? He's like, <laughs> I got babes. Chanoop. I like Grunk. that little princess hat. <laughs> She's like, uh, I've got uh, sort of these thigh-high ninja stars and a princess damsel hat. So, so this is nice. a weird new side of Chewie that I don't remember. Ladies' <laughs> man Chewie, you're married. <laughs> well, we don't know that at this point. That's not, not at this point. That's not established canon. Well, let's see where we are on this. Well, then, oh, God. Uh, it has to be before the the holiday special. So what is this? The This was January of 78, which actually means that the book came out a couple months before that, I think. Isn't that right? Or am I getting that backwards? There's no way this came out at the same time as the holiday special. Well, it came out closer. I thought than the holiday day. special. Holiday came special out was like near the. A lot or was it in seventy nine? Holiday yeah. special was in seventy nine. Was yeah, it? that's what I was thinking. 
No, you're right. You're right. It was Splinter of the Mind's Eye was out in 78. But Uh-oh. that just followed some awkward adventures of Luke and Leia. So he turns around just to see uh, Chewie, you know, being a, a, I don't know, a, a, a playa. And he says, little girl, blue, which is another weird idiom. And, and the girl has literally disappeared already. Yeah, she wasn't that interested. Because he presumably didn't even stop walking. He just yeah. said something. Like, I mean, that's what's weird. It's like we're walking. Hey, Chewie. Turns back. What? And she's gone. And even he's surprised. He's like, I'm sure. So, whoa, what's happening here? Check your wallet on. It's like something that weird going on. That, that weird... Uh, sexual fantasy girl that I was following got replaced by some awkward racial stereotype. Yeah, that's hmm, I don't know. That's that's not that's not very cool. <laughs> yeah, that's lazy as hell. <laughs> Those guys could literally have looked like anything. Yeah, we're in Star Wars, man. You don't have to Instead, they're all dressed any sort Asian of like Tibetan characters monks? in Star Wars, the original at all? I don't think there are. Characters? Yeah. I mean, Rose Tico. Or are you talking about the originals? Yeah. Is Um, Rose Tico the first? That's pretty pretty wild if that's true. Uh, There's got to be Asian actors who are involved. Huh. Anyways. So many rebel pilots getting shot down, truly. Like, there's... Yeah, because there's like a... a, a, The guy in Jedi who goes, There's too many of them! And then blows up. (laughs) Pretty sure he's an Asian guy. Like, so they're going to put a proposition to him because he's an honored off-worlder. They know everyone on this world. They know he's not from it. Yeah. Just because the people who live here don't walk into town and kill everyone. Yeah. Usually. Unless, of course, you have an unfortunate aversion to dying. What? Yeah. Question mark? (laughs) Trouble in paradise. So we've established this is paradise. Simply because there's yeah. girls that'll talk to Chewbacca and Han. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, if that's the indicator, I'm not going to fault you. Han's got some serious chops too. I've I've noticed this in a couple other pages, but 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 the mutton chops are pretty pronounced. Well, that's a fun thing about I was I don't know why I was talking to Melissa about this earlier. Oh, I know why. I was talking to her about my hair. I haven't had a haircut because of the virus mm-hmm. in months. You know. And so I'm starting to get this. I was telling her I'm starting to get that Star Wars look where it's kind of over my ears, kind of 70 shag. And it's well, funny how it I, at the time when I was young, I thought Star Wars looked really dated because I'm like, you know, they all have that 70s kind of haircuts, Luke, Luke especially. But I look back mm-hmm. now and for some reason it doesn't seem that way to me. It doesn't feel dated anymore. I guess because it's kind of a natural. Because we're just old and the old haircuts seem fine now. Well, I think it's just that at the time, I, so I in the 80s when we were young, haircuts are pretty crazy, right? And that was what was normal to us. You know, yeah. the mullets and the spiked, spiked hair. I'm cutting so. my own hair right now, so so I'm sure I'm going through different phases of, of terrible haircuts. But when you look at Hans and Luke's haircuts, it, at the time, it I thought 70s, and it, it certainly is. And that's when it was made. That's why they look that way. But it's also kind of like just what happens when you don't cut your hair for a while. And that's what my hair looks like that now. If you just have a normal haircut and then you just let it grow, that's kind of what happens. So it doesn't feel as dated to me now as it just feels like uh, just kind of naturally what happens when you're out in the smuggling or something. Never mind. 
Yeah. Well, they're usually on the run. They don't change clothes very often. But they do they're shave. They're not changing clothes. <laughs> yeah. Or they just can't grow beards because it's Well, you know, Obi-Wan space. has a beard. So it's well, not like I'm nobody not has everyone beards. can't, but... Just Han and Luke. Well, no, Han... Luke grows a beard later, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, not in the originals. So I'm, well, I'm just saying it, it establishes he has the ability to grow a yeah. beard. Can, I think we can accept that canonically. <laughs> like... So my big my big take from this issue so far, the one thing that that is st- sticking with me the strongest and upsetting me the most, is that Chewie is like a into the ladies. Into I don't know why that bothers me. I l- actually like that a lot, like because that's like not a lot in this issue is trying to to stretch the mythology, but the idea that that Chewie like could go out trying to pick up chicks with Han like that makes sense you know they're both <laughs> that just doesn't seem like the Chewie I know he seems like a more serious kind of person than that like Han's the scoundrel and Chewie kind of keeps him grounded but now it's like Chewie's drinking and, and you know screaming with the girls and stuff I don't know that seems weird and then Chinoopin yeah but again that shows that they didn't know who Chewie was yet at this point they hadn't really established I guess well, and when you think it's 40 years later and we still don't have a full handle on it, most most of Chewie's character traits are just describing his relationship with Han. But he does have Even that now. moment in the Star Wars when he's like, you know, talking to Han about leaving. And he's like, I know what I'm doing. Like he, he's telling him he shouldn't leave. He should stay and help. Yeah. You know, he's the so con- you show that. Yeah. You show that he's a good guy. And yet here he just looks like a wild man. It's like, up, oh, someone someone showed some blood, so he went into a rage and yeah, murdered yeah, everyone. That bothers then he went me to the more. bar he, and just started hanging out with all the girls. He can it's be a, a good guy and still, you know, want like he's a long way from home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, him and what's her wife? What's his wife's name? Me and yeah, me and Mala. Mala have an yeah. understanding. <clears throat> we have an agreement. Yeah, we got a zip code rule. I mean, there's, you have a life debt. I mean, there's certain things that just go along with that. Hey, yeah, like one of those things is that for decades I live away from my family. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that Carney comes around. What's his name? Chewy. What's the baby's name? Lumpy. Lumpy. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure Lumpy's mine. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, really. He looks a lot like Art Carney, if you look at him. (laughs) I don't think he's going to get a lot bigger than that. Okay. He's got a a soft edge. That's all I'm saying. So that's issue seven. Do you remember reading this when you were young? Um, I think I did read this one when I was young, although I remember when I was younger, I didn't have a lot of the earlier, earlier Star Wars ones. And the ones that I saw, I thought, like, when they were like this, I thought they seemed kind of weird. And the Carmine Infantino stuff that I like so much now, that stuff threw me off when I was younger. But I remember by the time Empire had come out, I was buying the comic. That's like my favorite time period. When I was talking about Mary Jo Duffy, she was writing through a lot of that time period. And it was so much fun for me to see what they did between Empire and Jedi because that's such a gap. Like when Han is gone and you're like, what are they going to do? And oh, yeah. to actually see them trying to find Han. And that's that, that's the missed opportunity. Of, one of the missed opportunities of the, of the sequel trilogy is that Disney has such a tight rein on that expanded universe that it want to risk something like this happening where people are just taking liberties and it becomes silly. So 
there weren't any continuing adventures of Ray and Finn and them in between movies in comic books or any other form because they were they wanted to leave the movies open to whatever the the filmmakers wanted to do and they didn't want to have to sort that out but but we missed out on the opportunity to follow the ongoing adventures of those characters in between movies. Well, you could do and it And that's now, a real mystery. Right? Yeah, but who cares? It's like, uh, yeah, we I have all the information true. now. It's cheating. Like, what makes it fun is like, I don't know what's happening in the next movie, and I want I want a story that sort of explores the gaps in the limited way that it's able to. And you know what's but, funny? But if they go write it now, then it's just a They didn't know what was going to happen in the next movie. Huh. Yeah, but I'm not going to get it. Well, that. yeah. Well, that's the whole thing, though, but... You know, maybe like, if you guys had an ongoing sort of canon that followed them in smaller adventures in between movies, it would have been a little easier to string those together in a way that made sense. Maybe those constraints would have helped instead of having a blank canvas at the start of every movie. But first, it, um, for kids, too, I think that's a big missed opportunity for kids who, who like those movies. Because yeah. I just, between Empire and Jedi, reading the Star Wars comic was just a big... It, it, it was just a big exciting time for me following the characters and that's where part of my love of Lando Calrissian as a character comes from because he became the Han Solo character in the comics yeah he definitely didn't get enough uh, getting enough attention I think in the uh, you know the actual canon the films and stuff yeah I mean they let him blow up a Death Star they didn't just ignore him they didn't Tico him <laughs> like he yeah, always but, got I mean, to do he blew something it up, but he was just basically being Han there yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I'm you could have put Han in that great. same seat, and it would have made just the same sense with the same lines and everything, almost. Yeah, actually, would have made more sense than saying no. He's the leader. He's the commander of a of a of a commando squad of of jungle soldiers. Like, yeah, why couldn't Lando when, be that guy? Yeah, he he at least was part of the Rebel Alliance for longer than Han, if you count like because while Han is frozen, like Lando's the one helping the rebels. He's a general. <laughs> He's worked Long his way up to, to general, by God. General. Like, it doesn't take a lot to become general. <laughs> I feel so bad for guys like Wedge. and It's like, these dudes are like, I have been in every single battle in every movie for years. Yeah. What am I? I? all my friends get killed every you're, time. You're a corporal. It's like, but to, and he's yeah. a general? Why? He's well, did you D, see man. what he did at Tanav? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's my takeoff of this uh this issue the thing that that chewy is the thing to me that's that's, that's <laughs> the really lingering image the chinoop factor i'm gonna call that a plus you're gonna call it a minus but hey and and it took an entire issue basically just to have him land on a planet and get approached by some strangers for a job well that i think is does actually speak to how much they had to spin their wheels because they were waiting for guidance as to what kind of stories they could tell like this is a the first issue in a four issue arc so we already had four issues of the adaptation follow the movie this is going to take us through another four months after the movie so everything is just stalling tactics well what i mean is there are a couple issues uh, came out by weekly or something the well, they came out before the movie. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So I'm just talking about in the aftermath of the oh, movie, okay. there's about four issues where they had time to sort of craft what they were going to do after the adaptation was over. And this is will be sort of drawn out into a four-issue arc that'll give them some padding time to figure out. And I'm pretty sure the story after this one, they go back to Luke, and Luke has a story. 
Yeah, so they figure something out for that. So they don't... It's not like they go for a, a huge amount of time before they'll do Luke. But you do see one of the things that they do throughout the series is just split the characters up onto separate side missions. And I don't mind that, because I think it's... No, I don't mind it at all. It's kind of fun to see those characters on their own and not as part of an ensemble. Well, it's that's why I really say that it's a, a missed opportunity for the new trilogy. It's a chance to see those characters take a damn breath. They're in a, they're in a less... The scope of the story is smaller. It's a side mission. You get to actually get to see them be who they are, and even though you can't have massive reveals for those characters in an expanded story, it still gives people that sense of familiarity with them. A lot of people didn't like, <clears throat> I just, we'll do this quick and then we'll, we'll leave. So I know people are probably getting tired of hearing us rant. Excuse me one sec. <clears throat> and I have to edit that out. A lot of people didn't like the, uh, the part in last Jedi where they go to the casino world looking for the, the key codebreaker or whatever his name was yeah the master codebreaker but to me that was one of my favorite parts outside of the story like as part of the story it's as part of the movie it's weak but i really enjoyed the idea that you're just going on this little adventure somewhere and you're seeing a different you're seeing different stuff you're seeing a different world you're seeing new characters i was like the, the whole purpose of that is just for the benefit of these characters it's not for the benefit of the larger story and you get it's a little bit of a breath that you get to enjoy these characters interacting with each other i kind of wish all the movies were like that instead of these you know star killer planets and these huge huge stakes kind of things i kind of i kind of like they're on a little bit smaller adventure it'd be better the the best part of rise of skywalker to me by far one of the it, it makes me sad to see it is at the very beginning when finn and poe are just sitting there playing a board game with chewie and you actually get to see those characters interact and you get to see what their relationship is. And that's where you get stakes in a story. If you never see those people being real or normal, then all the outlandish things that happen in the action sequences don't have any stakes. Yeah, because you don't but even getting feel to like see you them, know them interact. Like, I don't want to see them like fall in love and fight because that's what that's like the, the lazy shorthand of most screenwriters is that they're either falling in love or fighting, and usually both. But just seeing characters be normal with each other, just that's so much more relatable. And seeing them and, get into you know small scrapes that they have to figure their way out of without the whole galaxy being at stake. Yeah, and since they're not allowed to do big character reveals, then you just get to see them be normal characters. You know they're not going to come up and they and say who Luke Skywalker's father is. There is actually there's actually some some references to Luke's father in early expanded stuff that that is yeah. wrong. But well, and that's what makes part, it fun. I, when I, I did, my first issue reading this when I was a kid wasn't until way way in at issue ninety four. That's actually the first comic that I ever bought myself. I think I had comics some before that that my parents would buy me every now and then. But, you know, I was real little then. I don't remember them very well. But the first one I bought at a drugstore with my choosing to buy it was Star Wars 94. So I'm, I was way into the series by the time I, I started yeah, reading comics. Over. Yeah. So I, I read this stuff, you know, later after I already knew the movies. So I went back and reread the older ones. And I loved that some of the stories would reference Luke's father because they didn't yet know that it would be Vader. And they talked about how he fought Vader or something like that. You know how it it kind of made it sound like he was a, a hero character that we haven't met yet. 
Yeah, like they go that to was... a planet where people were like, "Yeah, your father was here with Darth Vader one time." Yeah, and that was <laughs> to me. I thought that was neat. I mean, obviously, it turned out not to be correct, I guess. But but I don't think of it that way. I think of it as its own kind of continuity. Well, it is. It's like you know, we could do a whole different thing on canon, but canon, I think people have gotten way too into what they think the canon of a story should be and nobody can just breathe and try to tell a story i don't care at all when they play out a story in one of these expanded sort of works and then later on in the movie they're like no that's that's not a thing it doesn't mean like retroactively i have to go back like like disney like we branded that legends because that's not officially part of like who cares I mean, yeah, like, does that mean we can't enjoy Star Wars 7 that we just read? Because we clearly know this probably wouldn't have happened in the actual canon. Yeah, but this yeah, story, it's they a fun adventure story with some characters that we enjoy. Who cares? And it pushes the mythology. Mythology isn't about trying to treat the story as history. Mythology is treating the story as metaphor or psychology. The story, it, it's just pushing the story out there as different iterations of these ideas as expressed through characters. And the consistency is that these characters have certain consistent traits, and you don't want them to stray. Like you say, like Chewie as a ladies' man seems to strain what you would consider just, his consistent character the, trait. The look on his face. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, just a grunk. He's got now in torn, I don't know if I want a Chanoop or a Grunk t-shirt, <laughs> or maybe just front is you, Chanoop you and should, back is Grunk. Yeah, you should get this, in the front, this face grunk right in the here. Back. Cut that face out, put Chanoop in front of it, and Grunk on the other side. I think I shirt. could probably just grab the words and no one would call me on the yeah, but <laughs> on the copyright yeah. of that, though. <laughs> I don't, like, you I, trademarked Chanoop? Yeah. I'm going to trademark that right now. Go get I Chanoop. I want that to be my com. thing. No one's fighting for this. We could we could co-op most of the stuff from this story. Then like They're not 50, fighting to keep it. 50 black SUVs with Disney lawyers pull up in front of your house. <laughs> yeah. Read the Chanoop clause. So tell us about your books you've written. Well, I wrote one right after Force Awakens. It's still out there, but I, but I don't think it holds up as well. It's called The Myth Awakens, and it was about it, there's a lot of speculation as to where the story could go. So it's a funny time capsule, but it's not as interesting in terms of of. Uh, the information because a lot of it got I liked it because it went deep into the lore like oh they, they, this was like this and this and then Ray could have been part of Project Harvester which was something that was introduced in Clone Wars but followed up in, in with the Inquisitors and, and Rebels and all that's like they don't know from that when they're making these movies Sean <laughs> like that's what we learned like yeah they should have hired you it wasn't that it was nothing <laughs> like yeah right sorry uh, but the 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 one that recently came out was after the Last Jedi, and it's called the Cosmic Unconscious, and it's all about Jungian archetypes and and Jungian psychology in Star Wars, specifically as you see them represented in the Last Jedi. So that's that's a lot more in depth, and it doesn't speculate into the story at all. It's just looking at at those you know the the character and story as metaphor and how that really is consistent with with Jungian ideas of, of the collective unconscious and I'm pretty happy with that one that one I, I worked on that one for like two years and it's 450 pages so it's, it's it's kind of a tome but it's it's pretty in depth you should have made a uh, a thesis out of that and got a doctorate somewhere 
Well, it is a thesis hit. I don't. It, it just. It's just not a formal one. But it's. It's a. It, it's a pretty in depth, like academic work in terms of of the number of sources that I had to go to for it. And where so can our horde of of not yet fans find these these materials? They're on Amazon, so you can get them on. Uh, Kindle versions, but I also have print versions, but it's all on Amazon. So just under the name Sean Gilbert. Look for Sean Gilbert. I think if you search, I I think I put Sean Michael Gilbert as a keyword on all my stuff, so it's searchable because there are other Sean Gilberts in the world. But but you can just search for it by by title; they'll show up. There is another book called The Myth Awakens that was written by somebody, and it came out like six months after mine. I'm like, come on, man, Google a name. I Google (laughs) a name before I put a book out but it's not a very inspired title I think I'm going to rework that at some point because I, I feel like there is another book that has to come uh, uh, out of The Rise of Skywalker because I really it, once you get past the mythology that is explored in the first book and the psychology that's explored in the second book I really would like to get into how that coalesces into religious concepts and that's what we really see in stuff like Rise of Skywalker, where people get into the serious head canon, and they get really legalistic in terms of what the story can be, which is antithetical to mythology because mythology is flexible. Mythology is not supposed to be real, but people think of these stories like you have to treat them like they're real, and they have to have a consistency to them in terms of yeah, we decide of what's canon, and nothing actual, else can be true. It's like they think of it as actual history. <clears throat> Like, I understand the importance yeah. of getting actual history correct. You don't want people, you know, being creative with wars in the past and things like that. But but obviously, well, a work of fiction is not actual history. And you want your story to have consistent elements. Like, when Batman v Superman came out, we're like, that didn't seem consistent with what I would want to see in Superman. I don't think that was consistent with his character. Oh, yeah. But, but again, I don't care that the events are like that didn't happen in the comics that that I don't care about. But you, well, that's the spirit the, of it is something yeah, that's you what I mean. see. That, that's the spirit of the character. That's a whole different thing. But there's no literal fact of the story. It's all fake. It's all fiction in story. But the the truth of the story comes in in the representation. Like what what's its message and whether it's themes and how the characters represent those themes. That's the mythology. But when you start talking about, no, he would never do this because of this, or there's a very legalistic reason for, for that, or I read in this book one time that this happened, or whatever, it's like, there's, that level of consistency doesn't exist in a fictional universe anywhere. Yeah. And shouldn't. And it kind of sucks all the fun out of it. Yeah. Let people breathe a little. Like, the, the, it seems to me like the same people that complain about that legalistic level of continuity are the first ones to say, but now you need to remake this entire movie and throw that old one out. It's like, well, which is it? So now you're saying you can just throw stuff out and decide things aren't canon. Weird to me. Yeah, like the, even new, if, the new Terminator kind of discounts several other movies. Yeah. But it doesn't say it does, but it does. It's they very confusing. Do. And I'm fine with it if you like Terminator and you just want to see a repetition of that formula, formula. but that's a perfect example of how, if you were guys being true to concept, there would have never been more than the first Terminator. Because it wrapped up the entire thing, and the entire theme and message of the story was wrapped up in that. 
Like this was, you know, this is deterministic in the sense that they they actually ensured their own downfall by by trying to stop this event. Yep. This event can't be stopped. It happened, including the attempts to stop it. The time travel intervention. It was a perfect was time travel movie. It, I it mean, really it, is. Everything is perfectly logical. There are no real problems in, in with it. And then they had to go and make a sequel to make a lot of money. Everything but, else is just for fun. If you like, if you like T two because it's a bigger movie, that's fun. If you like the, these uh, the other sequels that they've done because they explore that concept in different ways, that's fun too. Because none of it happened, so you don't have to get wrapped up in what the actual canon is. You just your job is just to drop out when it's not fun to you anymore. I do think there was one thing they should have changed in the Terminator, the first one. That would have been kind of cool. And the factory at the end when he's smushed head, I think it'd have been kind of neat if they'd pulled out at the end, you know, and that they you saw some letterhead or something that said Cyberdyne on it or Cyberdyne. something like that, because then it would draw the direct line of how the Terminator gets built, you know, that they somebody finds its head because they Which never explained what, what happened to it. Which is what they tried to do in the second movie. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they said. That stuff was recovered, and then we used that, and up until the point where they were trying to say in the second movie that they were able to change the course of Judgment Day, it was still kind of consistent with that idea. It's like, this already happened. Like, there is no changing this in time because it already happened. We already know it. So everything that we're doing right now contributes to that event. But that's not fun because you, then you lock it in a certain way. Nobody wants to see five sequels if we know that the entire Earth is going to blow up. That's why Salvation is the only one that could have worked because it just it admitted that. Like, that, there's no getting around that. That just happened. I think it would be weird. I don't know why people want to remake the sequels of Star Wars. I mean, I don't really like them either, personally. But remaking them doesn't make any more sense. Just make new ones. You know, yeah, if you don't like these, thing. just kind of pretend they don't exist. You can do that. I was a big fan of The Last Jedi. So obviously I'm not on board with these ideas that you should throw that out and redo it. But I think the prequels taught us that it's OK to ignore some things. Maybe that's, you know, we're older and we've been through this a few times now. It's like I remember being not mad at the prequels, but just like, oh, what a waste. Like there was a time when we first started doing our podcast, we wouldn't even talk about Star Wars because it was during Uh-oh. the prequel era. And we're like, we watched them, but we don't want to talk about them because we wouldn't have anything nice to say. And so there's no point. Like that was like people may not understand this like on the internet, but that for us it was like if we don't have anything nice or constructive, then it's not worth discussing. So we just didn't talk about Star Wars, and then you know the sequel trilogy concept came along and we got really excited about it and and it was fun to get excited about and be able to talk about it and then you know with rise of skywalker i'm in the boat with the people that didn't like last jedi except it's done it's just over just be be happy like i didn't rise of skywalker didn't go the way i would have wanted it to go but it's done. It's we move on to the next thing. This, yeah, I have nothing else. Have. Let's take let's take some encouragement that now that they've gotten this out of their system, trying to please everyone of the original trilogy, trilogy using those characters and their story. Now they're free to do whatever they want, and maybe yeah. they'll have and more I'm fun with it. To see that, like I'm a fan of the Mandalorian. I like what they're doing with that, 
And I would like to see what Dave Filoni does next. I can't wait to see what their next animated show is going to be. And I'm really curious to see with these movies they're cooking up because nobody even knows. But worst case scenario is they're not good and you don't like them. Yeah, just pretend they don't exist. You don't have to like everything. Yeah. It doesn't make something bad if something else related to it is not good. Yeah, well, that's definitely the truth. Like, the fact that there's, like, whatever, five Terminator sequels that are not good in the context of the first movie doesn't change the first movie. You can still go back and watch that movie. Just like if you could watch T2 and go, you know what, T2 is kind of dumb compared to the first one, but it's fun. So I'll watch it for that. Like Highlander 2. Highlander 2 is fun to watch. It's ridiculous. Is it? <laughs> It really is. is it? It's it's very it's very high concept, and yeah. it's got and that's it's a good way, of, that's a good way to got, describe it. Well, when someone throws it away, then it's not fun. But when someone goes for it and it's awful, there's something kind of brilliant about that. And even and that's Highlander Two is one of those like just beautiful mistakes. It's like they really went for it. They never thought, is this stupid? They just did it. And you can watch Highlander 3 or any of the other sequels, and you're like, and after that, they just did cheap knockoffs of the first yeah, movie, and, and they're not that boring. Fun. But Highlander 2, you're like, what? And it's glorious for that. You want to talk about, if you if you like to see where a mythology can go, a sequel like that is a delight. Because, like, that is not how I would have imagined that story going. So it's the future, and there's a shield that protects us from the ozone layer, because that was a thing at the time the movie that was made. Uh, it's just amazing. It had Michael Ironside in it as the bad guy. There's a lot of fun stuff to watch in that movie. Sean Connery yeah. comes back for no reason. Yeah, you gotta, you're going to make me want to watch it again. Oh, my God. It's wonderful. But it doesn't ruin the first one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different thing. Yeah, man. Just enjoy it. That's, a, that's our advice. Enjoy it or don't. But, you know, you, you're never going to get anything from not enjoying something. That's true. Yeah, and you're certainly not going to get anything from from actively not enjoying it. Like going around like if I if I were to put donuts on in the break room, I don't want someone coming up to my desk and going, "I don't like sprinkles." Like, so what? Don't eat them. Yeah. Exactly. Just don't go to that movie if you don't like what they've done. Yeah. Sorry you found something in the world that's not for you. And if, that happens. You know, and if enough people don't do that, they'll get the message and they'll make something that you do like. And yeah. that's just and, how it works. And if the consensus is against you, then you just have to accept that that thing is a thing that exists. Then go make your own movie. For, well, that's the real thing, too. You know, if you got all these great ideas, like everything you love is somebody who had a great idea for something else that they didn't get to do. So they funneled it into something. Like, George Lucas wanted to make Flash Gordon. He couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon, so he made Star Wars. So you make your Star Wars. Just don't call it that. Do something else. Funnel that into something creative. And with Nobody that... Nobody can fault you for that. <clears throat> we shall leave you for the day. Uh, go check out Sean Michael Gilbert's books on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's a lot of a lot of um, research, well researched, interesting lore that um, certainly goes deeper into things than these comics will. Yeah, a lot deeper than we're going to go here for sure. And um, 
If you want to, go check out TV Ate My Dinner. It's a podcast that we've been doing since 2007, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty long for a podcast, and it's not... It's not put out super often. It's not super regular, but you not know, it, it talks about things that you might, if you find us interesting at all, you'll enjoy it. Especially as Sean's been on all of them. I haven't been on most of the recent ones, but Sean's on every episode. So if you find that's, his voice attractive to listen to, there you go. Yeah, if that's, if that's a thing you want to hear for 13 years, yeah. then if I got a treat for you. And we'll come back, and I promise the next episode in which we will discuss uh, issue eight will be much, much shorter. This is longer because we're, we're first, this is the first time we're doing it. We're feeling it out. We don't know yet, you know, how to control ourselves. But we'll, um, <laughs> we'll come out be shorter in. in the future. So um, check us out. Thanks for listening, watching, and we'll see you soon. Uh, my name's Brooks. I'm Sean. And this has been the Marvel Age Star Wars. Or Star Wars Marvel Age. Whatever. Yeah. Check logo. Okay. Bye-bye.